The scripture reading this morning is 1 Timothy 4, 6 16. The reading can be found on page 964 of your pew Bibles. If you put these instructions before the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourishing on the words of faith and the sound teaching you have followed. Have nothing to do with the profane myths and old wives' tales. Train yourself in godliness, for while physical training is of some value, godliness is valuable in every way. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The saying is sure and worthy and full of acceptance. For this end we toil and struggle, because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. These are the things you must insist on and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example of, in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I arrive, give attention to the public reading of your scripture, in exhorting to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given through the prophecy of the laying on the hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that they may see your progress. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to be seated. Well, let's pray as we begin this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are uh, officially a little more than halfway through our sermon series called Everyday Mission. I want to just give you a reminder of where we've been and give you a little sneak peek of where we're headed. We talked the last three weeks about what does it mean to be on everyday mission, and and what it really means is the places that God has placed you, the people that God has put in your life, and the work that God has given you to do. Oftentimes, we we think of mission, and we think it must be some some really high calling from God, that it must be uh, going off to the ends of the earth in some remote mission field, but actually... Uh, Though that might be the calling for some, for most of us, God has placed us right here, right now with the people that God has placed us around and the work that God has given us to do. What does it mean for us to see where we are right now in life as the place where God wants to use us for his glory and our neighbor's good? In the next couple weeks, we're going to unpack that a little more. We're going to talk today about who exactly is on a mission, who qualifies for this mission, this everyday mission. Next week, we're going to talk about what tools do we have in the toolkit Uh, did God just kind of leave us with all this work to do and kind of say, figure it out, or did he give us some tools? And then I want to ask the question, what about missionaries? If we're talking about everyday mission being right here, what about those people who are off at the ends of the earth? What do we do with the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations? What does that mean, and how do we join those missions together? So that's where we're headed, but I want to talk today about who is on mission And so we get to focus today on our children and our youth. So I want to invite any kids forward, fourth grade and younger, uh, for a little children's sermon. If you want to come forward and sit on the steps, that would be awesome. I've got a few questions for you kids. 
Come on down. Welcome, welcome. All right, kids, so what's up? Come on, have a seat, have a seat. So uh, if I go home after church today and I decide that what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to spend an hour playing this. Does anyone know what this is? A ukulele, yeah, a little ukulele. If I spend an hour playing my ukulele and learning how to do it and working on scales and chords, what am I training to do by spending an hour on this instrument? What am I training to do? Yeah. Yeah, be a better ukulele player, right? Be a better musician. Um, and I'm kind of training my ears and my mind, right, to understand these things. I'm also sort of training my fingers to know where to go on the, on the ukulele. So if I spend some time, intentional time doing this, I'm training to be a good ukulele player, right? Okay? If I go home after church today and I just decide that I would like to do some light reading and I've got my math book and I spend an hour going through math just to brush up on things, what am I training to do? Yeah. Yeah, I'm training to be better at math, right? I'm training to have, uh, to have more knowledge of math, and it's something that engages my mind as I think about how math might work, and maybe it will make me better at certain aspects of my life where I need to use math, right? All right, and if I go home today and I decide that I'm going to spend an hour doing this, <laughs> what am I training to do? Yeah, what am I training to do? Yeah, I'm getting buff, right? I'm getting stronger, <laughs> Oh, you thought that was funny. <laughs> My daughter thought that was hilarious, by the way, yeah. I'm getting stronger. I'm working these muscles, right? I'm working my body. I'm working my muscles. I'm training them to be stronger. Is it always fun to practice a musical instrument? What's not fun sometimes about practicing a musical instrument? It's an, it can be annoying sometimes because you can't do everything that you want to do, and it's hard work, Right? Is math always fun? Why, is math, why, why isn't math always fun, George? What, what's, what's bad about math? Yeah, you have to do division and stuff. Who likes division? Division's so hard, yeah. It takes a long time. Sometimes it takes a long time. How about weightlifting and, and working out our bodies? Is that always fun? What, why isn't that fun? You get sweaty. Yeah, you get sweaty. That's right. And sometimes... Sometimes after, you know, doing your muscles, you try and lift something, you go, oh, I can barely lift it because I'm so tired, right? Okay, Did any, I don't know if any of you listened to this scripture today really closely, but it actually, Paul tells Timothy to train in something, and it's not ukulele, it's not math, and it's not building his muscles. Did anybody pick up what he said to train for? He said to train in godliness, what does that mean? What do you think that means to train in godliness? Yeah, Lydia. To what? To trust God. Wow, that's really good. I didn't even plant that one. That's really good. It's training so that, not that we become great at ukulele or math or that our, our muscles are really big, but we're training to trust more in God. What are some ways do you think that we train in godliness? We know how to train for a musical instrument or or how to lift weights or do math. How do we train in godliness? What do you think you do to train in godliness? Any ideas? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, to, to listen to what God says. Yeah. 
do devotions, yeah, be in God's word and spend time, intentional time, just like you have to spend time doing these things to get good at them. Yeah. Loving God the most. Loving God the most. Let's just shut it down. The morning's over. That's awesome. Loving God the most. Yeah. Even what you did, I heard you kids singing that song, sing to the Lord a new song, because I know you know that from downstairs. When we worship together and we're in God's word together and we put God first in our life so that we love him the most, what we're doing is we're training in godliness. We're training in godliness because just like I know some of us want to be good at sports or some of us want to be good at music and we want to do a good job in school and learn all the things that we can learn, the most important thing is for us to train in godliness so that we can put God first in our life. Great listening, kids. You can go and sit down with your parents. So this morning, we're going to focus on children and youth and continue to work through this text. I talked with children a little bit. Now it's time for me to turn to the youth. I see some of our teenagers sitting over here. If you're like in sixth grade through 12th grade, raise your hand so I know who I'm talking to. Nice. Okay, some up top. Any over here? Okay, I'm going to make my way over to Jake over there every once in a while. Okay, so I'm talking to you. Adults, you can feel free to listen in if you want to. I'm going to talk to you in a little bit, but this is really for the youth of this church. So uh, I want to talk to you about something that's really important in your life that you might have already encountered or you might be thinking about, but I think it's really important. It's this, choosing your first concert that you go to. Okay? So I have a confession to make. This is something we've been talking about quite a bit with our boys in our house is making sure, I want to make sure that the first concert that they go to is a super cool concert, okay? Because confession, my first concert, um, my first concert was, uh, you want to go to the next one for me? Uh, Was Amy Grant Christmas. (laughs) Everyone's still laughing, okay. And I haven't even told you the worst part yet. Okay, so it was Amy Grant Christmas, and I went with my mom. Now, my mom is cool. Some of you met my mom, but she's, I mean, she's not that cool. Come on. I mean, this is not an ideal first concert, and it wasn't even at a cool place. It was like at a Lutheran church that wasn't that awesome, and uh, I went with my mom, and she made me, like, get in a Christmas sweater, and this is really important for all of you preteens, teens to know. As an adult, you're going to get asked this question from time to time. Hey, what was your first concert? And I always had this embarrassing thing where I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell them I went to Amy Grant with my mom, and that was my first concert. Um, but I got to own it with you this morning. That was my first concert. So anyways, uh, that's been a source of some embarrassment to me because I want to be able to say, oh, I saw this really rare concert in this really cool place in this band that, you know, I knew them before they were even big, and it was this great thing, right? Um, so I've been talking with my boys, and I'm like, you got to have a cool first concert that you go to. This is Quinn uh, about a year and a half ago at our first concert. It's kind of blurry, but you can see he's excited. Um, his first concert was this really cool bluegrass band called Trampled by Turtles. They're awesome. Um, he, gets a, he gets to buy a hat or a shirt. He chose a hat, right, because you got to buy a, something from your first concert. Is that a super cool venue, Thalia Hall. It's my favorite venue in Chicago. And uh, it was a really, really fun experience uh, to go with Quinn to this concert. And Alvin and I are planning our first concert, which is going to happen in about 10 days. We're really excited about it. Cool venue, cool band. And, uh, and, and I'm really excited for him to experience his first concert. But one of the things I realized in looking for concerts for my boys 
was I kept running into the same problem, which was they would find a band that they liked in a cool venue, and it would be a 21 and over show. 21 and over. Oh, they get excited about this, and I go, no, it's not an all-ages show. It's a 21 and over show. And I even called one of the venues, and I said, so listen, if I bring my son, he's 11, uh, I will keep him with me the whole time, I swear. Can he come to the show? And they're like, no, we can't do it. It's a 21 and over show. We can't do it. It's a 21 and over show. And I was super bummed because the reality is that Albin knows the music of these bands that he's asking about, right? He can participate in the same way as me. I bet he knows the music better than some of the adults that would go to this concert, but he isn't really allowed to do that just because it's a 21 and over show. I know why there are 21 and over shows. I get it, but it's been a, it's been a source of frustration. We did find a great all-ages show. But I want to ask this morning for the teenagers that are here, and you can be honest. I won't be offended. Do you feel sometimes when you come to church like it's a 21 and over venue? And do you kind of tune out every once in a while the sermon or the worship or the things that are going on because you're like, come on, this is really for adults. They're not really talking to me. I think we need to ask that question, is this really an all-ages venue on Sunday mornings and any other time that we open our doors? Is it an all-ages venue? Do we really believe that you can participate just as much as anybody else? I know for me, uh, I often dozed off uh, at your age. Or I would just start daydreaming, think about the day I had, or messing around with my brother who was sitting next to me in service. And I think part of it was because I just didn't feel like it was for me. I, I think my pastor really was thinking about the teenagers in, in the church, but for whatever reason, I would just kind of tune out and think, ah, it's probably not for me. And I want you to know this morning that this is truly for you. This is truly for you. You are included in this. We believe that you can experience the concert, the music, the venue, in the exact same way as every other adult, and we affirm the mission that you have. I remember one of the times that, that, that it really, um, I really woke up to the fact that this, this church thing was for me, and I wasn't supposed to just tune it all out, I needed it too, was when I was in high school and uh, a classmate of mine uh, tried to hurt himself. It was a really scary time. It was someone I knew, but I had no indication that that was, that was um, coming in any way. And I remember coming to church the next Sunday and being like, I need to hear this. I need to hear this for me because I need the hope that comes from this. But I also need to hear this because I have friends who need to know this hope. And I need tools to go out and show them the love of Jesus. Because I had no idea of the darkness that was going on in this kid's life. And I remember sitting there on that Sunday and experiencing this and having all these emotions of, 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 of going through my brain. And realizing that none of the adults in my church could befriend that person and come alongside him in the way that I could. Only I could do that. They didn't have access to that, but I did. And that's part of what I want to say to you as teenagers this morning, is you have access to a mission field that God has placed you in that none of the adults in this room have, and we want to empower you for that. There is a text that is really perfect uh, for you, which was read for us by Evelyn so well. Uh, Paul is this sort of giant, right? He's, he's this giant of faith, he's this giant of ministry, and he's got this apprentice, Timothy, who's younger, less seasoned, and oftentimes when Paul couldn't make it to a church that he was, he was pastoring and caring for, he would send somebody else, he would send Timothy to go and, and sort of minister in his name, to speak on his behalf to these people. And we get the sense from Paul's letters to Timothy that certainly in some of these communities, Timothy just wasn't really taken seriously, because they're like, well, you're not exactly Paul. I mean, are you really equipped for the same mission that Paul is. Paul's kind of a giant of faith. 
And I even get the sense every once in a while when I read Paul's letters to Timothy, we don't get Timothy's correspondence back to Paul, but I get the sense that there are, there are points where even Timothy goes, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I don't know if I'm seasoned enough for this. I don't know if I'm ready for this. And this is where Paul's word comes in, where he says, let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. This is a really important word. I want you to notice what Paul doesn't say. When Timothy feels like he's not being taken seriously, like he's not really being affirmed by the larger community or that it's not really for him, what does Paul say? He doesn't say, what I want you to do is stop going to church or stop leading. He doesn't say, I want you to, to, to cry discrimination and ageism. What does he say? He says, set an example. I want to empower you to set an example for the rest of the believers. And in what ways do we do that? There are five different ways that Paul tells Timothy to set an example. He says to do it in speech, the words that you use. Teenagers, the words you use matter. Adults, that's for you too, by the way. That's for everybody. In conduct, that's integrity. That's, that's walking the walk and talking the talk. That's, that's, that's doing what you say you're going to do and being an integrated person, an integral person. That's integrity. In love, that, this word is sort of tied to to service often. So um, loving the people around you is serving them, sacrificially putting them before yourself. In faith, in your relationship with God, your trust in God. One of the kids said, trusting in God. That's really faith, is putting our trust in God. And then in purity. We can't escape the fact that purity often means sexual purity. Um, youth in this church know I'm not afraid to talk about that. We need to talk much more about it. But purity in a lot of different ways of life. Choosing a way of life that is that, that stays as unspoiled as possible from the sins in our lives. This is how Paul tells Timothy to set an example. Now, it's important for you to know, just for integrity's sake, Timothy's not a teenager when Paul writes this. He's in his 30s, but he is younger, and he's someone who's not taken very seriously or at points is not taken very seriously. And what is Paul doing? Paul is empowering the younger leader and saying, you can do this. Set this example. We believe in the everyday mission that you have. So, youth, I want you to know that we believe in you. We believe that God has placed you in a certain place with certain people and work to do that only you can do. And he's given you gifts to do it. I want to speak to the adults in the room. We talk to kids. We talk to youth. Adults, last word goes to you. Look what it says. Don't neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you through prophecy with a laying on of hands by the council of elders. When I read that, I have to ask the question, do we as adults in this community really believe that these teenagers are on everyday mission? Do we go out of our way to encourage them? Do we bless them in this work? Do we pray for them? Do you grab them in the garden court and just say, I bless you, I believe in you, I see these gifts in you. I want to encourage you to do that. Adults in this church, we have to do this for our youth. This is why we have uh, a, a robust youth ministry. This is why we put money and time and resources and staff into our youth ministry. Because we believe that you, teenagers, have an incredible opportunity to be a witness for Christ that none of the adults in this room have. So I want you as adults in this church to ask that question. Just as we asked, how are, you, how are you coming alongside children's ministry? How are you supporting that ministry? How are you supporting our youth ministry? How are you supporting the youth of this church? When's the last time you wrote a note to a teenager in this group? 
When's the last time you stopped them somewhere and said, I'm praying for you? When's the last time you asked them uh, how they're doing, how school's going, how their friendships are going, and prayed with them? These are the kind of things that we need to do. Support Colby and Courtney. Ask them, what can we do to come alongside youth in this community? Uh, How many of you uh, have the time to mentor a teenager and come alongside them and care for them? Because you believe in the ministry opportunities that they have, and you believe that the call to everyday missions is not just for adults. It is an all-ages deal. When Quinn and I were at that concert, there was a guy who was standing next to me, and he kept looking at Quinn sort of like, what's this kid doing here, right? Like, is this kid going to totally cramp my, my cool concert that I'm going to? You know, what's this guy doing with this kid, right? And he kind of kept looking, kept looking. But then as the band started playing, Quinn knows the music, and he's singing along, and he's dancing around, and he's hooting and hollering, and he's, and he's playing like air violin along with the violinist, and it was super sweet. And the guy actually turned to me and he, eventually, and he went, so is that your kid? I said, yeah, that's my kid. And he goes, he really knows this music, huh? I said, yeah. He goes, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. This is setting an example, right? When we set an example that we are on everyday mission, that we're listening to the same music and we're engaging in it together, the community starts to notice. <laughs> so kids, we want to encourage you, teenagers, we want to encourage you to live into that everyday mission. Adults, I want to encourage you, I want to plead with you to come alongside them and support them in this. And I want to put this into action as we close today. If you are um, a middle school or high school age student, I just want you to stand where you are because we want to pray for you. Um, We want to actually model what it says here in this text. Just stand where you are. If you have a junior high, high schooler close to you, I want you to just lay a hand of blessing upon them. If you don't, you can extend, extend a hand of blessing to where they are. And we want to do what it says Lay on, the, lay on hands by the council of elders and bless them for their everyday mission. Would you pray with me? Lord, we believe that these teenagers, preteens, have been placed in a certain place and been, have been given access to certain people and have been given work to do that is so important. So we ask a blessing upon them. Would you strengthen them in their everyday mission? Would you give them opportunities to train in godliness so that they might see the opportunities that you put before them to share your good news through speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. We bless them richly as they live out this mission in their lives. Amen and amen. Thanks. You can be seated. Many of you know that I love to make a connection between where God's word is leading us and to the communion table. And for me, this is like the easiest connection to make this morning to say, what is this table? It's an all-ages table. This is a table where we come and we experience the same music together, where we affirm a common grace that says, God's grace is not contingent upon my understanding of it or my experience or my seasoning. God's grace is sufficient for me because God's grace is sufficient. Regardless of age, regardless of life stage, this is a place where we come to understand the grace and the goodness and the forgiveness of God. So as we come to this table, I want to remind you that this table is open to all who would desire to place their trust in Jesus Christ. Not all who have everything figured out, 
Not all who have the right resume. Not all who have everything uh, sorted out enough that they can explain everything that goes on here. If you can explain everything that happens at the communion table, you shouldn't be coming because there's mystery here. And this mystery is grace. So let's come to this table together, an all-ages table, and receive the grace that we need.